was in my stomach. Stuff like that. Rex's room was dark and quiet, but that didn't fool me. So were storm clouds just before they thundered. I got on all fours and belly crawled, one elbow in front of the other like a soldier under fire, to Rex's cavernous door, and then quickly passed, never pausing to look inside. My flannel pajamas slid almost silently on the polished wood floors, most of the time when Rex had spent the last several hours or even days looking through the bottom of a crystal glass. He didn't always get the light turned on. I didn't know much, but I did know that a dark room didn't necessarily mean no Rex. I began crawling again. The thought of him in there, sitting in his chair, watching me, rising now to come for me, was almost paralyzing. My breathing picked up and sweat beaded my forehead, but above the deafening sound of my own heart beating, I heard no snoring and no shouting. Clearing the door frame, I wiped the sweat from my forehead and pulled my heels away from danger. When I didn't hear footsteps, didn't feel a hand on my back, didn't feel myself yanked off the floor, I hauled myself to the banister of the stairway, kicked one leg over, and slid all the way to the marble landing on the first floor. I glanced over my shoulder, saw no sign of Rex, and started running. If he was home, he'd have to catch me. I ran through the library, the smoking room, the den, the room with a fireplace big enough to sleep in, through the kitchen, which smelled like baked chicken and biscuits and gravy, off the back porch, which smelled like mop water, through the pasture, which smelled like fresh horse manure, and toward Miss Ella's cottage, which smelled like a hug. The way Miss Ella told it, my father, Rex, put an ad in the local paper for house help the week I was born. There were two reasons for this. He was too proud to advertise his need for a nanny, and he'd sent my mother, his late-night office clerk, to file elsewhere. A couple dozen people responded to the ad, but Rex was picky, which made little sense given his affinity for random clerks. Just after breakfast, Miss Ella Rain, a 45-year-old childless widow and the only daughter of the son of an Alabama slave, rang the doorbell. The chime rang for almost a minute, and after an appropriate wait, so as not to appear either hurried or in need, Rex answered the door and gave her a long look over the top of his reading glasses. He could read just fine, but like most things in his life, he wore them for effect, not function. Hands folded, she wore a white nylon working dress, the kind worn by most house help, knee highs, a pair of white nurse's shoes with the laces tied in double knots, and her hair tied up in a bun and held together with six or eight bobby pins. She wore no makeup, but if you looked closely, you could see freckles scattered across her light brown cheeks. She extended her references and said, Good morning, sir. I'm Miss Ella Rain. Rex eyed the tattered documents through his glasses, periodically studying her over the tops. She tried to speak again, but he held out his hand like a stop sign and shook his head. So she folded her hands again and waited silently. After three or four minutes of reading, he said, Wait here. He shut the door in her face and returned with me a minute later. Inviting her into the house, he extended me at arm's length like a lion cub and said, Here, clean this house and don't let him out of your sight. Yes, sir, Mr. Rex.
Miss Ella cradled me, stepped inside the foyer, and looked around the house. That act alone explains the fact that I have no memory of ever not knowing Miss Ella Rain. Not the mother who bore me, but the mother God gave me. I'll never understand why she took the job. Miss Ella had finished high school at the top of her class, but rather than attend college, she opted out, put on an apron, and made enough money to send her younger brother, Moses, through college. When I got old enough to understand just exactly what she'd done, she said flatly, One day, he'd have to provide for a family, not me. Before the end of her first month, she'd moved her things into the servant's cottage, but soon spent most nights sleeping in a chair in the hall outside my second-story bedroom. Having provided for my needs, food, clothing, and a retaining wall, Rex returned to Atlanta and resumed his vicious...